So this hadith is a, a, a very important hadith because the Prophet gives the likeness of what God sent him with from guidance and knowledge. That it's like a rain that settles on an earth, right? Comes down on, on an earth. And a, a group so there's a good earth that and it's very interesting because one of the things that happens when rain comes is the earth literally soaks the rain and the reason you get floods is because too much water comes and the earth can't absorb it right so this idea of you know that it 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 accepts the the rain is is a beautiful uh, uh, and accurate of course uh, scientific description and so al kala which is uh, pasturage kala will will and ushab in arabic is grass that's moist if it's not moist if it's dry it's called hashish and fiqh al which is the science of knowing the distinctions of words, is important in reading the hadith. So ushab would be uh, moist grass that, you know, when you break it, it's got liquid in it. It's, it's, it's moist. So it, it produces a lot of, of grass. وَكَانَ minha ajadibu, And then there's areas that were jadba. It's, it's dry, desiccated. So those areas, the earth gets it and it benefits others. So the first one, it benefits that earth. The other one, it's just, it, it holds the water so people go and they can benefit from it. That's like a scholar that, that doesn't act according to his knowledge. He'll benefit others, but he doesn't benefit from it. Whereas the first one, it benefits him and it benefits the other. So they drink from it and then they, they uh, water their crops with it and, and uh, their agriculture. And then the Prophet said that another part of the rain hits qi'an, which is is a flat earth that's like rock. So it's, it, the rain doesn't stay, it just runs off of it. It neither holds the water nor brings forth pasturage. So the first one is like the one who understands the religion of Allah and the religion benefits him. He, he learns, studies, and then he teaches. And, and then the other are like the one that it doesn't uh, benefit them. And they don't accept the guidance of Allah that the Prophet was sent from. And then he says, These are muttafaq When it says shaykhan, it means al-Bukhari, Imam al-Bukhari, and Imam Muslim. Muslim is obviously a student and, uh, of Imam al-Bukhari. But uh, Imam al-Bukhari, when, when you see hadith, always the first one mentioned in a riwayah is Malik. 
So even if it's in Al-Bukhari, if it's in Malik as well, he's always mentioned before Al-Bukhari. The next one mentioned is Ahmed ibn Hanbal, always. And you can see in modern books, they no longer have this adab. So you'll see like, it'll say, Rawahu al-Bukhari wa Ahmed, because they think al-Bukhari is stronger than Ahmed. But Ahmed is honored higher and over al-Bukhari as an imam. So this is the adab of the muhaddithun, is that they put Malik first, and then Ahmed, unless it's munqata'. And these are daqa'iq of ilm al-hadith. So if it says al-Bukhari wa Malik, then it's from the marasil of Malik. If the scholar knew what he was doing. You know, but when it says the shaykhan, it means al-Bukhari wa Muslim, and that means it's muttafaqun alayh. When the ulama say it's muttafaqun alayh, it has a high maqam because they both agreed on its sahha. An Sahad bin Sa'ad, radiyallahu anhu, أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لي عليا رضي الله تعالى عنه فوالله لأن يهدي الله بك رجلا واحدا خير لك من حمر النعم He said by Allah that God should use you to guide one person it's better for you than حمر النعم which is the best type of camel in other words great worldly wealth for the Arabs that was real wealth it was like better than gold and silver and وروى البخاري عن عبد الله بن عمرو بن العاص رضي الله عنهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال بلغوا عني ولو آية بلغوا عني ولو آية بلغوا تكليف that's called تكليف عني تشريف ولو آية تخفيف so the ulama say that بلغوا is تكليف he's telling you, you tell people what I said عني تشريف it's an honor to say the Prophet ﷺ said. And then, walaw ayah, even if it's just a little bit. And you can tell the Israeliyats without feeling some kind of constraint. You can, you can mention what the, the, the Bible says or what the Jews say about something. The Prophet permitted that. In, in a riwayah, it says, لا تصدقهم ولا تكذبهم. Don't say, don't say it's absolutely true, but don't deny it either. So there's wisdom in their books. The, the ulama mentioned this, the tafsirs mention it, the Bible has much wisdom. Uh, and, uh, but because of the problems of transmission, they don't have the same authoritative basis of transmission that we do because of the preservation of the isnad and the mutawatir. Um, so ahad things got into their books and also some distortions, tahrif. وَمَنْ كَذَبَ عَلَيَّ مُتَعَمِّدًا فَلْيَتَبَوَّأَ مَقْعَدُهُ مِنَ النَّارِ And this portion of the hadith is mutawatir. This is, in other words, that has the same veracity as an ayah in the Qur'an. Whoever lies about what I said, let him take his seat in hell. So to tell a lie on the Prophet is one of the worst things that somebody can do. رواه مسلم عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من سرك طريقا يلتمس فيه علما سهل الله له أو له به كذلك طريقا إلى الجنة رواه مسلم عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال من دع لهدا كان له من الأجر مثل أجور من تبعه لا ينقص ذلك من أجورهم شيئا So whoever calls to guidance he has the same reward 
as, uh, as the rewards of those who follow him. And that does not diminish from their rewards anything. So if you teach somebody and they act according to your teaching, this is one of the reasons why so many shiuch wrote awrad. Because there's no wird that the Prophet did that we have in order. We know what he said, but we don't have any wird. Specifically, he did this, then this, then this. So the ulama always put... It's not because there aren't enough of them already. There are plenty of awrad by great ulama. But they want people to do their wird, so they get the reward of the person doing the wird. So it's 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 a blessing to do that. If you if obviously if you can. So anyway, um, and now finally the last one this is important. رواه الشيخان عن عبد الله بن عمر بن العاص رضي الله عنهما قال سمعت رسول الله إن الله لا يقبض العلم انتزاعا ينتزعه من الناس ولكن يقبض العلم بقبض العلماء حتى إذا لم يبقى عالما حتى إذا لم يبقى عالم اتخذ الناس رؤوسا جهالا فسئلوا فأفتوا بغير علم it's a very important hadith. Allah will not take knowledge suddenly by seizing it from people's breasts. But the loss of knowledge is in the death of scholars. Until Allah leaves no scholar on the earth, people will take leaders who are ignorant and they will ask them questions and they will give them fatwa and they will lead them astray. And they themselves go astray by doing it. This is very important because this is the time that we're living in. So it's important for people to be aware of that. Um, there's plenty of fatwas that are completely insane today. Uh, if consciousness is a spiritual phenomenon and the world can only be experienced by the soul, what about animals who appear to have... No, the animals have souls. Yeah, animals have souls. They, they don't have eight eternal souls, to use a, a scholastic term. Eight eternal is something that has a beginning but no end. So uh, they're not good, but they're created with a spiritual animating force. They have ruah. Even trees have arwah. Every living thing has a ruah. And according to Razi, even inanimate things have a type of ruah and a nafs. The nafs is what causes harm. The ruh is what's medicinal in the thing. So you have things that, that have medicinal properties and then they have toxic properties. So the, the nafs is the toxic element. The ruh is the medicinal element. Just like people. There's to- toxic people and medicinal people. Like Hitler was a very toxic soul. <laughs> it's about as toxic as you can get, you know, unless you want to add George Bush or something like that there. <laughs> I was reading a commentary of Imam al-Ghazali by an Orientalist who stated that the popularity of al-Ghazali's work led to a decline in scientific progress. I'm going to talk about this when I get into uh, my session on Imam al-Ghazali. This is one of the greatest lies against Imam al-Ghazali perpetrated. It was perpetrated in the last hundred years. It's a continuously, it's a slander against Imam al-Ghazali, and that's the truth. And, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll get to that. 
Can the Quran lead anyone astray without external guidance like hadith? Or does the Quran have inherent guidance? The, the Quran can't lead astray. It will guide to what's best. But people can go astray by misunderstanding the Quran. And there's no group in the history of Islam that's ever gone astray other than because of linguistic problems. Not knowing grammar, not knowing rhetoric, not knowing logic. These are the reasons why, which is why these three sciences were the focus of the madrasa tradition. People spent years studying these three sciences, mastering grammar to a very high level, mastering rhetoric to a very high level, and mastering logic to a very high level. And these are the sciences that will protect people from making egregious errors in the Quran or in the Hadith. Uh, which aspects of Sufism did Imam al-Ghazali uh, criticize? Uh, well, he, he criticized a lot of things, but one of the things he criticized was uh, the delusion of the Sufis. Like, there are a lot of Sufis that think they're the elect of God. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a delusion. <laughs> right? They're deluded into thinking that they're special and they're the khasa or khasa al-khasa. Uh, they're deluded into thinking their sheikh is the qutb. Every murid says, oh, my sheikh is the qutb. There certainly are a lot of qutbs. <laughs> right? They're deluded in their dress. Like they wear a certain dress that distinguishes them, which the, the real Sufis like to be hidden. They didn't like to, people to know that they were people of tasawwuf. They... They, they like to be hidden. They didn't want people to, to see them. The ulama were supposed to wear a dress that distinguishes them in the Eastern Islam. And the reason for that, Abu Hanifa encouraged the, the scholars to wear dress that enabled others, so that people could go and ask them for knowledge. Imam, Imam Abu Hamid says one of the problems with that is that false scholars started dressing like that and then people assumed they were knowledgeable. At Al-Azhar, they have a, uh, there's a whole meaning to their turbans. Like if it has blue and, uh, you know, if, it, if it's red, white, and blue, then it means something. If it's, if, it's, uh, if it's black, it means another thing. And the Azharis know that, but the common people don't know that. Because some Azharis, the, all they know, they just did the Tahfid al-Quran and, and the Qira'ah. So they're Qurra'ah. They studied in the, in the tradition. And so they, they learned how to recite Qur'an and they can lead prayer and tarawih and they learn basic Islam. But the ulama are different. And that's a distinction. We'll get into that, inshallah. Uh, there's an important distinction between the alim, the faqih, the mutafaqih, the mufti, and then degrees of ifta. Because uh, there's different, there's mushtahid mutlaq, there's mushtahid muqayyid, there's mushtahid murajjih. There's mushtahid uh, uh, madhab, um, and then there's mushtahid uh, ahkam, you know, like, uh, anyway. Uh, and then you have du'at, which traditionally were called uh, the qusas, storytellers. Um, and most of the ulama were opposed to them. Um, they're like preachers that go around telling stories that make people cry and things. Um, and, and uh, the kids in Medina used to throw their sandals at them if they started in the, in the mosque of the Prophet. Imam Malik said, this mosque is for knowledge, it's not for stories. 
you know. And then, and then you have the salihun, righteous people that are, you know, obad, zuhad, and, and those are good people, and you should, you'll tamas minhum khair and dua and barakah, people that have simt, you know, they, they, you look at their faces, they remind you of Allah, um, you can see salah on their faces, um, they, they carry themselves in dignified ways. Those people, yurja minhum al-khayr, but they might not know very much. They should know at least enough to worship their Lord. Subhanakallahu alhamdika, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruku wa tubu ilayk, jazakumullah khayran. Inshallah, it'll be a good journey. I'm seeing a lot more women than men again. It's, it's scaring me, you know. The, the, the women, too, are having a hard time finding... Uh, for non-Arab speaking Muslims what should be our criterion of action to gain a deeper connection to Allah and our deen rather than ritual practices memorization, dhikr, etc I want a guide or a specific action list to incorporate into my daily life this is a long question inshallah I'll think about that Allah yibarak feekum subhanak Allah wa rahmatullah shalom la ilaha illa anta astaghfiru wa tubu